0: We're in a really unique season where just normal life has been totally interrupted and altered. Um, Plans have been suspended, changed, major events have been canceled, and and life events, uh, personally, like weddings, and funerals, and graduations, and and birthday parties, all have shifted from what we've planned. But we're reminded just as late as last Sunday that not one moment of this season has been out of the sovereign care of God. And we know that, but in these moments, uh, what can happen is our, our hearts can start to wander, our minds can start to wander, and where we look can change and shift. And so Hebrews chapter 12 kind of helps us with where we're to be looking to, where our eyes should be fixed, um, not only in this season, but especially on Good Friday. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse one and two, if you have a copy of the scriptures, it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, the book of Hebrews was written to persecuted Jewish Christians. And the two purposes of this book are to encourage Christians to endure and to warn them not to abandon their faith. And all of that is rooted in Jesus, the Son of God, who became the ultimate heavenly high priest and offered himself as a sacrifice once and for all. chapter, verse 1, chapter 12 says this, Since we are surrounded. The writer is saying we're surrounded by these faithful witness. And in essence, what he's reminding us of is that faithfulness works. If you look back at chapter 11, we see all these amazing heroes of the faith who saw these incredible things happen in their lifetimes. It says kingdoms were conquered and the promises of God obtained justice for the poor enforced. And they saw the dead resurrected. But then at the end of that chapter, there's also those those who are imprisoned and beaten, afflicted, killed with the sword, sawn in two. And then we look to the history and generations of saints who have endured suffering and persecution and famine and war and disease for their faith. And we look at our global brothers and sisters today who are persecuted for the name of Jesus. And what the Hebrew writer is saying, those who suffered for the faith and endured and persevered, they surround us. Faithfulness in difficult days it works. And then the author gives the instruction to lay aside the distractions of this world. Lay aside the sin that chokes you out. There are so many incredible things that are already happening in this season, and I'm looking forward to hearing about even more that will grow in its soil. But there's also so many trends that are rising in society that show our human tendency and propensity to numb ourselves to pain and suffering and to find all these different ways to escape. There's a book that I've been reading through this quarantine and in one section, the author is talking about God's revelation to John. And he says this, he says, The great God with us visited his beloved friend John in a revelatory apocalyptic vision. And in that vision, John saw the resurrected friend Jesus who spoke a waking word. Revelation 16, 15, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and seen exposed. Through John, Jesus reminded his people to stay awake, to stay ready, to stay sober, and to stay clothed in his love. And even if we don't live to see some apocalyptic return, we we each have our own end of days to reckon with. So how silly to be found in the arms of lesser loves when that day comes. Pay attention to what hinders you. Pay attention to the sin that entangles you. And finally, in verse two, look at our instruction specifically as it pertains to Good Friday. The writer says, Looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of your faith. The perfecter, what he's talking about, all the highs and lows of your life are God begotten moments meant to perfect what he began. Whether it's COVID 19, or some other sickness, or your job loss, or your graduation that was canceled, your plans that have all been suspended, are they're all ultimately used by God for the perfecting of your faith. Well, in what way? How so? He says to keep us deeply tied to Him, to keep us deeply tied to our joy. God is not surprised by the chaos and the calamity of this world, or the chaos or the calamity that's in our hearts. That is why He sent Jesus, And that's why Jesus went to the cross. You see, the cross stands as this incredible reminder to us that God knows and sees you. And it's inviting you to look to Jesus. The cross identifies our need for help and shows us that our greatest help is found in the one who hung on it. How does the cross despise the shame? The phrase that the Hebrew writer uses there. You see, what looked like it would destroy life has brought life. The worst thing to ever happen to Jesus is the best thing that could have ever happened to humanity because it's there that he took on our shame, our sin, our punishment, our humiliation, our death. And because of that, those things could be scorned because Jesus endured those things by faith in him, you and I can endure. For Easter, we're sharing our testimonies through the Jesus Changed My Life campaign on social media. And for many of us, our stories include shameful things from our past. For many of us, our stories are are seasons of, of deepest regret. But because Jesus endured a cross that despised our shame, We can freely share about our past knowing that it has been completely paid for in full, covered by the blood of Jesus, brought into the light and the shameful things of our former lives are transformed into trophies of His amazing mercy and grace of God. Beauty comes from those ashes. The cross is the central moment of history that looked like a massive catastrophe but God was using it to put the laser focus, to set the sights on Jesus, to display his beauty and power and glory that we would look to him. So as we look at Good Friday in light of these days, let the cross remind us of God's perfect plan and love over us. Look to the cross, look to Jesus. I wanna close with just one final story. Um, it's a story of Charles Spurgeon. Many uh, know him as the Prince of, of Preachers. And on January 6th, 1850, a 15-year-old Charles Spurgeon was trudging up the Hythe Hill in Colchester on his way to church. And there was a blizzard that prevented him from going to where he was intending on going. And so he turned the corner and made his way into a small primitive Methodist church on Artillery Street. And Tr- Spurgeon told this story thousands of times but this is one of the most vivid recollections. He says this, he says, I sometimes think that I might have been darkness and despair now had it not been for the goodness of God in sending a snowstorm one Sunday morning when I was going to a place of worship. When I could go no further, I turned down a court and came to a little primitive Methodist chapel. And in that chapel, there might be a dozen or 15 people. The minister did not come that morning, snowed up, I supposed. So a poor man, a shoemaker, a tailor, or something of that sort went up into the pulpit to preach. He was obliged to stick to the text for the simple reason that he had nothing else to say. And the text was out of Isaiah 45:22, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. He did not even pronounce the words rightly, but that did not matter. There was, I thought, a glimpse of hope for me in that text. And the tailor began thus. My dear friends, this is a very simple text indeed. It says, look. Now that does not take a great deal of effort. It ain't lifting your foot or your finger. It is just look. And while a man need not to go to college to learn to look, you may be the biggest fool and yet you can look. A man not need be worth a thousand a year to look. Anyone can look. A child can look. But this is what the text says. It says, look unto me. I said he in broad Essex, many of ye are looking to yourselves, no use looking there. You'll never find comfort in yourselves. And then the good man followed up his text in this way. Look unto me, I'm sweating great drops of blood. Look unto me, I am hanging on a cross. Look, I am dead and buried. Look unto me, I rise again. Look unto me, I ascend I'm sitting at the Father's right hand. look to me. Look to me. And when he had got about that length, he managed to spin out ten minutes. He was at the length of his tether. And then he looked at me under the gallery, and I dare say, with so few present, he knew me to be a stranger. He then said, young man, you look very miserable. And well, I did, but I had not been accustomed to have remarks made on my personal appearance from the pulpit before. However, it was a good blow struck. He continued, and you will always be miserable, miserable in life and miserable in death, if you do not obey this text. But if you obey now, this moment, you will be saved. And then he shouted, as only a primitive Methodist can young man, look to Jesus Christ. And Spurgeon says this there and then the cloud was gone, the darkness had rolled away, and that moment, I saw the sun. And I could have risen that moment and sung with the most enthusiastic of them of the precious blood of Christ. To me, this is what Good Friday presents us with. The chance to look once more to Jesus, to see him. There was an old hymn that was written out of Isaiah 45, 22, that very same passage that the tailor preached that morning to a young Charles Spurgeon. And the hymn is, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I won't, sing it because we've just suffered enough in these days, but I will read it. It says this, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. And the refrain goes like this, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light Of his glory and grace. You see, right now, in this season that we're in, by God's grace, there's a real dimming of earthly things in our world so that we can more easily see the grace of Jesus. So let's look to him. Let's pray together, and then we'll take communion together. Father, we thank you for what we have in Jesus. God, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for his perfect life. We thank you for his perfect obedience and perfect sacrifice. God, we thank you that the punishment and the penalty that was due us because of our rebellion and our sin was poured fully on him and paid in full through his sacrifice. As we move into this moment, God, where we take the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of Jesus, our hearts are full of thanksgiving. God, we're overwhelmed at the weight of our sin and what it cost you. And God, with great joy, we look to you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you um, have those elements handy, you can go ahead and take them um, now, the bread and the cup. Communion is a tangible way for us to do that every week, to look to Jesus, uh, the body and the blood of Jesus. If you have the bread, look at the bread and see the body of Jesus. Bloody, beaten, the scripture says it's crushed, pulverized for our sin. And as you look at the bread, take and eat in remembrance and celebration of him. In the same way, we have the cup And we look to the cup, we look to the precious spilled blood of Jesus, the covering over our transgression, the covering over our iniquity, the covering over our rebellion against the Holy Son of God. And as you take the cup, look, see the spilled blood of Jesus, drink in remembrance and celebration of Him. And that Hebrews passage, Verse three says this, and this with this we, we move into a time of worship. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted.